Hey friends, Coach Shelby and Coach Christine, welcoming you in and letting you know it's time for Brunch Quick Bites Edition, where you can grab your miles with a side of smiles, take them on the run midday, in the afternoon, or even a late night snack attack. It's that time. We've got major knowledge drops, major runs, and major funs with our World Marathon Major Series. With the fall raisin hot on the heels of the sizzling hot summer, we're going to tackle all of them, accompanying them each with a blog that Coach Christine has expertly put together as our resident six-star major world marathon finisher. I feel like every time I say that, you're like, you're making me blush, but it's it's a little still. weird. It's weird, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to flex your expertise every step of the way and help our other athletes and our other runners know what to do, what to see, and what became of these marathons we're about to dive into. Yeah. So that's actually on the blog specifically for this uh, race. We did talk a little bit about a really big deal for today. So this episode lines up with when the uh, decision date opens up and decision date like done. It does sound so big and bold. And it is actually because it does play out quite a bit of logistics of what's going to happen for you with this race. Of all of the World Marathon majors, this one to me is still logistically the hardest one to figure out. So today, guys, it's official. If you're registered for New York City, first and foremost, congratulations. You're going to have a great time. But second of all, you need to head over to your New York Roadrunners account and start making those decisions. You still have some time. It just opened up today, but it's good for us to talk about it so you can figure out your transportation, what you're going to do about baggage check, and of course, the expo time that you are going to make your way to the Center and experience all there is to, to see about this expo. So coach, let's get right into it. I feel like this one's going to be also kind of tough because this is, this one's got so much history. Yes. So, I, I do mean, have to say, I have to give you some love before we started recording. You asked if this was going to be hard for me since I was supposed to run New York this year, but I think going through everything, it only solidifies that I want to go when I can fully be in the mindset to explore all of this because it is the largest marathon in the entire world. In 2019, there were 53,627 finishers and in 2017, 98,247 applicants applied just to run this race. I mean, QJZ song, New York. (laughs) Well, I think there is quite a bit to that. There's no doubt about it. Oh my gosh, this is just mind-blowing to me. Okay, while this year it is going to be held on November 5th, the New York City Marathon, the first one was held 53 years ago on September 13th, 1970, organized by Fred LeBeau and the then president of the New York Roadrunners, Vincent Chappapetti, with 127 competitors running several loops around Park Drive of Central Park. Only about 100 spectators watched Gary Mirecki win the race in two hours, 31 minutes and 38 seconds and only 55 runners cross the finish line. And this is specifically really interesting. The entry fee that that year was one whole whopping dollar and the budget for the entire race was $1,000. Now it costs $1,000 just to get there by plane. Amen, girl. A little little (laughs) smack back to reality there. But even though it had a smaller start over the years, marathons grown larger and larger. And to celebrate the U.S. Bicentennial in 1976, 
Auditor George Splitz proposed the race traverse all five boroughs, which I think is a stroke of genius and probably the reason why New York is so freaking cool mm-hmm. because it does go through all five boroughs. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. I think that that's what makes it New York City. I think that's how you get to experience it. And the fact that the city shuts down for you to run it is phenomenal. Um, just absolutely brilliant move. And hopefully this individual has a plaque like somewhere with his like in honor of them. But I did you know that wasn't supposed to be the case? So it was only supposed to be a one time thing. I know. Like uh, and I wonder, like, basically, I have to think like in that organizational meeting, he's like, I got a crazy idea. Let's just do it this one time, though, because it's going to be exciting just to do it this one time. And then it was a smashing success. And of course, he walks away being like, yeah. I knew it all along. <laughs> it's like the epitome of a marathon. Like everybody who does a marathon says, I'm only going to do one. <laughs> and then they're like 10 deep by the end of it. So it it was a little foreshadowing maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's, let's get into these world records because it's not necessarily one of the um, world record holding type. It's not fast. It's not flat. We know that this course traverses a lot of bridges, a lot of hill work needs to get done. Of course, if you want more details about that, head over to the blog where we talk about a workout that you should tackle or have in your repeat as you're training for it. But you, again, our resident queen elite fan, drop some knowledge on us and some of the records that have been set there. So running her first marathon, Norwegian Olympic track star, Gretty Waits set a world record of two hours, 32 minutes, and 30 seconds. And that was in 1978. And then, just for good measure, she smashed her own record the following year in two hours, 27 minutes, and 33 seconds. And was the first sub-230 women's marathon. So she's like, I'm good. Yeah. But I'm going to show you it wasn't a fluke. And I'm going to do it again. So... This, I think this episode might not have a boo. I think this one has a yay only. I don't think you're going to get a boo in this one, but let's see. We will see because maybe maybe you've had a chance to refill your coffee. You're feeling good about it. I will say, friends, if you're making your way to Epcot and you want to see the world, you can take your photo with your picture or with the statue of um, Greet there. I think it's her name. Great, great. Well, great. great. I- I don't know. I may be totally fabulous individual. And she's actually really cool. I love, I love listening to her. She, she was interviewed in a couple of podcasts and just her, she's very like not no nonsense about how she approached her running. It's pretty fascinating anyway. And some of the things that she used in her practice of running are things that now people would tell you that you shouldn't necessarily do. So it's all about finding what works for you because she is the world record holder. Of course, again, this has so much history, um, but I think what makes New York city, incredibly iconic just to visit year round is that it's a city that is resilient and you have to have a lot of grit and tenacity. And that's exactly what I think we saw when the New York city marathon took place less than two months after the September 11 attacks in 2001. I mean, how, when, where, what, why the fact that they were able to still make it happen. And I just want to like give a big shout out. I can't even imagine towing up to start line, how much, pride, how much hope, how much mixed emotions, but optimism probably came to mind as well. So I love that they still were able to make it happen. Now, one of the other great things about New York City Marathon is that they are ahead of their time. Like they lead the pack 
in terms of making progressive, inclusive decisions that really impact the face of the sport. So we saw that in 2000, New York City Marathon included their event's first ever wheelchair division. They added prize money just a year later. So good for them on that. Um, Kurt Fernley of Australia has a still standing wheelchair division record of one hour, 29 minutes and 22 seconds at the 2006 New York City Marathon. And then in 2011, another record that is still standing was uh, done by Jeffrey Mutai of Kenya. And that time was of two minutes, five, I'm sorry, two hours, five minutes and six seconds. And I will have to say, I did notice one of our fun facts didn't make our outline. We can't not talk about. I was Googling it as we speak. I, I realized that. again. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking about records, but let's not forget that Shalane Flanagan. In 2017. Became yeah. the marathon winner of New York with the iconic F. Yeah. Little yes. soundbite clip that I think was, I mean heard around the world and she was the first which was a record she was the first american woman to win new york city since 1977 when it was not a dollar but it was a lot cheaper i i I agree and what i do love specifically about that was the amount of halloween costumes that we saw little girls gravitate towards after that so every mom big shout out for getting your little girl into a shalane flanagan costume i mean just super cool like i just i have so much hope for the future (laughs) when i when i saw that so absolutely amazing um again it's had quite a bit of history, almost impossible to encapsulate it all. Um, we could always include links to the history if you guys are looking forward to it, because we still have to talk about the fact that there is a lot to do before, during, after this race. I, I will mean, have to, I have to stop. I got to take one more because uh, this one is okay. too good to not include. Okay. Got to give it up for Daniel Romachuk in 2018, being the first American man to win the wheelchair race. And at age 20, 20 years old, the youngest champion in the division's history. You're right. Wait, we had to include that one. Daniel, you're the man with the plan. And I mean, he's gone on to do so much else, but just a little while we're on New York, I'll I'll, I'll keep it, keep it in New York. Literally, when we did the outlines for these for the races. Um, They all have a lot of beautiful history, all of them that make them unique. That's why we're doing this series specifically. But when it came to like really iconic historical moments, New York City has like four pages, guys. Like uh, we, it's like we could make a five hour episode on just New York City. So you guys are definitely in for a treat. After you're done being amazed by all of the records that have been held there though, and all of the iconic history um, that you're gonna get to soak up, soak in while you're there, let's talk about what you should plan on before the race. Of course, you've made your decision. You know what time you're going to show up to the expo. This is probably the one expo that I would say um, as a coach that I would tell an athlete to maybe make an exception and spend a little bit more time at just because it, the Javits Center itself is so incredible, but also just because they have so that, I mean, NYRR, the New York Roadrunners, 
uh, Run Club has just got so much great history and they really put together a great event even at the expo. Um, so definitely spend a little bit of time there. I personally would say there's only going to be five bazillion shakeout runs. So pick a Run Club that you love. Maybe you are at a local chapter of Run Club and you want to go hang out with the national chapter for the race shakeout. If not, there's a lot of epic shakeouts you can do yourself, um, like Central Park, which of course is the finishing line or the Brooklyn Bridge, because you're not going to cover the Brooklyn Bridge during your actual New York City marathon race. So if oh, you want to go ahead and get <laughs> You had to add one boo. I did. I'm I so did. curious. You're going to, I feel like it's going to be fun to hear you boo along this, this entire series. Um, the most important decision that I feel that folks have to make is to ferry or not to ferry. That is truly the question. I'm um, a fairy. I'm totally right. Like it's the only race in the world that I know of. So a disclaimer, a little asterisk there um, that you can take a ferry to the start line. So I say that is something that needs to go on your must do before the race list. But I do know that logistically it can add another layer of complication to an already very busy day. So if you choose not to, we get it. I'm still going to like you, but I'm not going to love it because I think the ferry is the way to go. (laughs) Just maybe take some Dramamine or get some of those patches. I don't know. I've never been. I actually know that's a lie. I have been on a ferry in New York. I don't remember getting seasick, but you know, I get seasick very easily and I didn't get seasick during that. So I think, and even if you do take Dramamine, which usually has a little bit of sleepiness, you're going to have so much adrenaline that day. You will be fine. That's not a problem, (laughs) but you do need to be prepared for a long day. I was about to say, I'm like, it is a long freaking day, Mm -hmm. even though I have not experienced it. (laughs) I have talked to enough athletes. I have experienced it. I've done enough reading to know that it's going to be literally a marathon of a marathon day. Yeah, it really will be. So during the race, some of the fun things that kind of stand out for this specific race is, well, I know, Coach, you love your elites. There is no doubt about it. Um, And I think that's what makes you excited about watching and being part of the sport and the fact that you both as a runner spectator um, get to actually be able to kind of like immerse yourself in with the elites during the same time that the uh, weekend warriors or regular runners, if you want to call it, get to get out there. I think what's super cool is that you also get to spot a whole lot of celebrity runners at New York City. I mean, it is always a who's who of like spot the celebrity So that's always something that I suggest people kind of keep themselves amused by when they're out there. Maybe you'll see Oprah. I mean, I don't know that she's, I think that she's, she's hung up her running shoes, but you never know. Oprah, talk to us. We, we know some, we know some things. (laughs) Yeah. We have a couple of coaches that would be willing to do this. (laughs) Anyway, so I think the atmosphere though, as a whole, Mm -hmm. I've heard the spectators are bar none the best. Absolutely. I would bend to say that I actually almost don't know if I'd enjoy more running New York or spectating New York. Yeah, I think running and spectating both have their own challenges because what I heard from my spectators is they had a hard time traversing to be able to catch me throughout multiple aspects of the city because again, of course, there's a few closures um, and it is such a, it is not a loop course. It is a point to point course, which again, this is where the logistics come into play. More details over on the blog, but let's talk about what you're going to do through the five boroughs because I mean, that's what it comes down to. So while Chicago had 29 distinct neighborhoods, the boroughs themselves are like countries within 
I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So you're going to start in Staten Island and you're going to go over the Verrazano. Everybody worries about the Verrazano. You don't have to worry about it. You're going to have plenty of fuel in the tank. You're going to have tons of energy at that Verrazano, but it is breathtaking. Um, Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Coach is on fire. (laughs) Coach is on fire. Okay. Then once you come off that incredible Verrazano, where again, uh, your bib is going to tell you if you're going over or under, um, more details about that on the blog as well, but you're going to get into Brooklyn and you know, Brooklyn's the birthplace of some of the most incredible human beings in the world, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and notorious BIG. How can you not like Brooklyn? I should, you should wear pearls during the race as a little homage. I mean, I would love it if you guys would do that, but there's of course within Brooklyn, there's tons of spectators. You're going to probably give more high fives than you ever have in your entire life. You'll meet your, your lifetime quota of high fives. Um, lots of danger, stranger danger aid stations. If you choose to partake, of course, uh, fourth Avenue has a lot of live bands, entertainment. You're not going to be able to hear your headphones from all the spectators. It's going to be incredible. You're going to want to take on that energy all the way into Queens before you hit the Queensboro bridge where it's going to be a little bit of a boo coach Shelby. There's nothing going on there. It's going to be you and your thoughts. So isn't Queens the longest stretch throughout all the boroughs? It, it is. It is. And you're going to feel it. <laughs> you're going to feel every bit of it. Just kidding. There's tons of crowds still actually in Queens. It's when you hit the Queensboro bridge that it becomes a little quiet. So you get to have a chance to kind of restore connect to your why because once you get through the queensboro bridge you make it into manhattan and there's roaring crowds yet again um then you go to the bronx and you finish up back in manhattan with central park absolutely phenomenal oh now bronx is that mile 20 it is um famously known as the wall because (laughs) of course as you get into this double digits you know that you've come far enough to where you're going to make it to that finish line but you don't have as much pep in your step necessarily maybe you didn't train up for queensboro the way that you should have um but again that's what's great about new york city it is gritty there is a lot of supporters and you'll probably have somebody out there either cheering you on or letting you know get over yourself get to it you've got a finish line (laughs) waiting for you because they don't mince words in new york city so you make it a little bit of both friends (laughs) and really you're going to be in newark so especially if you do a run walk method you're going to have to do that new york hustle like coach christine says absolutely absolutely i think at that point there was probably not that much hustle in my pep or my step but that's okay um you definitely will once you get to central park get a little bit of more a little boost again because you hear so many wonderful supporters and you know the finish line is in sight um and then the refueling is super important friends oh we're diving into food one thing that is a little different though i will say now from when i first ran it to to now is that you all get the poncho so you essentially get a superhero cape it is (laughs) you know coach shelby that i'm not necessarily the biggest into keeping keys or memorabilia i'm all about like clean it out, get rid of it. But my New York City poncho is something that I still have. I have never used it since then, except for running around in the house. But I don't take it to races because I don't want to discard it. It's What's going so on fabulous. in your house? You just <laughs> run around in a poncho? Yeah, I'm a superhero. Hello. Okay, <laughs> learned a lot about Coach Christine. Yeah, so the poncho, regardless of whatever your decision is on your baggage or um, you're going to have a lot of baggage after this long ass day. But... Um, you're going to enjoy a poncho. So you get to now have your own superhero cape. And then 
go enjoy food because you've been out there for a very long time. Oh, Coach, I am getting a bagel. Don't even you don't even have to that, ask. Is that oh, what you're getting? Yes. I might not have the locks on it, but a bagel. An, okay, I want everything bagel with cream cheese, and I want the red onion, the capers, and tomato. And I just want that with the iconic coffee cup of New York. And that's that's where I'm living right there. So you're not going to do the pizza? Uh, darn it. Okay, I'm going to do the bagel in the morning and I'm going to do the pizza at night. Because okay. I, want, I want the slice as big as my face. So again, when we talk about like food that's iconic to each city, I think that New York City, what makes it so special is that it's so diverse. Um, and so representative of so many different cultures. So I love that they have a really huge food cart, which from like tacos, which, you know, I love to halal food courts, which I am so appreciative that we uh, now have a lot more representation for uh, folks dietary due to religious standards. So I think that that's absolutely extraordinary. Not to mention, it's just delicious. Um <laughs> pastrami sandwiches, of course, Chinatown, having some dim sum. So all sorts of gorgeous, delicious, savory stuff. Ooh, now, Cat's on Deli. <laughs> going to Cat's Deli. I would probably eat meat again to have a corned beef sandwich at Cat's Deli or a pastrami sandwich. I wonder if they've got, they have to have a vegan version now, right? Or a vegetarian I, I, version? I'm pretty sure my ancestors would kick me out of New York, but uh, I've had, I've had Cat's Deli before. Because I have been to New York before. I was very, very young and I wasn't cultured yet. So I didn't get to appreciate everything. But man, I don't know that I'm not going to be able to eat. Um, I'm going to have to eat like all the things we just talked about right now. <laughs> like so after what, we're done recording. But the funny thing is, is I don't know if I delve into the sweets in NYC. So what... I mean, I, in New York cheesecake, I know, right? Yeah. So that's what I would say is the top of the of the ladder. Now, there is a lot of food scene. Like there's a huge foodie scene up there, of course, like everything else. So um, what comes to mind is Milk Bar. And it's one of the only times that I stood in line. I hate standing in line. Like I just hate it. It's such a waste of time. But going over to Milk Bar's original location, standing in that three-hour line just to get some of those Milk Bar treats and sweets probably says a lot about my purse it's okay back then I did but uh black and white cookie comes to mind it's kind of more indicative and unique to that area of New York City and the cheesecake and egg cream which kind of a little bit of a throwback so I think oh and yeah. cronuts Oh, I would wait in line for a cronut. Yeah, I agree. Cronuts are phenomenal. How can you go wrong with that? Must see movie coach. I think we're going to go right out, right out of the gate and call the movie that both that made us both cry. Brittany runs a marathon. Uh, it's right? so it's so good. sweet. Jillian Bell did a wonderful job with it. Mm -hmm. I think as a whole, the movie was really well done. I mean, yes, it has its it's Hollywood-esque everything, but it is based off of a true story of the real Britney who did, in fact, run a marathon. And there's pictures <laughs> at the end, too, of showing the real Britney. Yeah. But I think, again, it brings running more mainstream. And while there are parts of it that I still, still do, of course, not love, I think mm -hmm. as a whole, though, it does hit upon the transformative power of running 
from a mental aspect, yeah. not just that physical aspect. And that I appreciated because you oftentimes don't get that. Yeah. And I think that's what was so important what called it out because I think it does still resonate with folks in regards to seeing how at some point it shifts from being just um, maybe something that's utilized to look a specific way and then actually feeling empowered by it. So I love Brittany Runs a Marathon. Definitely brought tears to my eyes. I actually will not forget seeing it um, the first time at the movie theater because I don't go to the movie theater very often. But Run for Your Life with uh, regarding Fred LeBeau in the New York City Marathon. So you get to like dive way deeper than we just did on the history of the New York City Marathon. It is a phenomenal documentary. And guys, you're going to want to put your feet up after those long runs, especially after a hill repeat. So two movies that are definitely iconic. I know there's a million more, but um, yeah, we can't wait to cheer you guys on. So let us know if we are going to put a big support sign on, if we're going to be looking for you in the crowds, the televised event. And thank you for joining in again with this series. Of course, we're going to keep tackling more. But until then, we're celebrating our podiversary all month long. Um, I feel like it's so exciting. It's like a birthday and an anniversary and almost Halloween and Christmas, our favorite holidays, all wrapped into one. If you become a monthly Time for Brunch Plus supporter at any level during this month, you'll receive an exclusive podiversary goodie sent your way in the snail mail. But each support level actually has its own premium offerings and perks. So head over to the Time for Brunch website to learn more. Join us again with Time for Brunch Long Run Edition dropping this Friday. Or come back for more of these midweek quick bites as we like pack up our luggage, um, maybe even our suitcases because we're going to get our passports ready. We're going to take a little plane ride over to our next destination. We're going to keep serving up more miles with some major smiles. <laughs>